are capable of so much more than what you think. You need to just take small steps, build small wins, build that confidence. Every little win leads to a bigger one, leads to a bigger one. Get a plan together, focus, and just demand that life get better for you and make it better. Don't ever sit and think about what if or be a victim. Everyone, welcome to another what's going to be an amazing episode of The Wolf's Den. The Wolf is in the house. So, all right, I'd like to say I have the coolest guy ever by this name, but he's not the coolest guy. The coolest guy would have to be Johnny Drama from Entourage. But cool, since he's man. a fictional character, yeah. this is the coolest real character. It's Drama and I'll then Drama. It. I'll take Ashley. it. Yep. You are the coolest, but. Johnny Drama. I know, man. And when when I was first doing like TV stuff, Entourage was so successful. So everywhere I went, people were like Johnny Drama, and I'm like, it's not me, man. And I'll there's be, also a DJ Drama who's really cool. So, I'll be honest, my my wife came running over. She's like, it was Johnny Drama. Yeah, yeah. I let everyone down. I could see the faces when I walked in. And that you, but listen, you are a force of nature in your own right. No, and there's um there's a few things that I love about your story. Okay, uh, so I want to kind of go through and hopefully we can yeah. there's like a message I think that you really can help get across to a lot of people. Yeah. You know, you skewed young your crowd, which I think is great. And I think there's so many kids out there that I think they feel like they're cubbyhole from either where they from, yeah. where they're from, how they did in school, yeah. what their their beliefs, how they were brought up. And I think you break the mold for everybody yeah. because you're this wildly successful guy from a small town. Uh and you weren't like, that wasn't like your belief system growing up, right, I assume, right? Correct. So yeah. why don't you tell me about where you grew up and how everything started? Yeah, so I grew up in a small town outside of Akron, Ohio. Uh, nothing going on. Like I said, I, it's it's not a bad place. It's great for a lot of people. It wasn't good for me. Um, not a lot to do. I remember one of my, my, my most... Uh, clear memories is out the window of my high school was a cow pasture and we just sit and watch cows all day right and that's the type of stuff that was going like on like cow tipping are you one of those people yeah um, everyone loves yeah. cow tipping I never did it so all the animal activists I am free and clear but cow tipping was a big thing um, I got into skateboarding at a really early age and that just became like my obsession right I never played school sports I never went to school activities I just skateboarded all day every day so okay. Um, you know, I always say like my upbringing was good. It was great. My parents are all about love and family and that, and they put that way before, you know, ambition or they just don't. So that's not what, what I was parents, taught. What do your parents do? My dad, uh, owns a photography studio. They're still together? Yep. Great. My, yeah. my too. They're 80, 88, yeah. 87. They're so lucky. <laughs> no. Um, so my dad owns a photography studio. My mom is a teacher at the school. Um, so they just don't, it's just not where they personally put their values, but they have a great, happy life. So I didn't really learn any of that growing up, right? How many kids, like, how small was this town? With the, it's like a really small town? It was pretty small. Like, one, one another good memory is one night, uh, one of the cows escaped, and my parents and everyone were on the phones, like, we heard it's on Main Street. We heard, and it was like, oh my gosh, where's the cow? And somebody finally found the cow. Like, that was a big night in my childhood. <laughs> Ridiculous. Oh wow. So, yes, pretty you small. You get carpet the whole town, basically, wall to wall if you want, right? Yeah, yeah. Small town, right? Yes, yes. Got it, okay. So, I just didn't have any of those initial, uh, that mindset coming up, right? I knew that I wanted more than that town. I knew that I wanted to move out, to expand, or whatever. But there was a lot of things that I just didn't have that it took 
to become successful. So getting to the point, um, my dream from age 12 on was to move to LA because LA is the skateboard capital of the world. Right. Skateboarding's cool out here. They're considered losers back in Ohio, or they were. Uh, and I just couldn't wait to come out here and skate all day. And that was my dream. So right. my whole plan from 12 until I graduated high school was I'm moving to LA the moment I graduate. No college, skipping the day that everyone takes their SATs because I don't care. I'm going to LA and I'm going to figure something out. Right. So what year is this now? So, uh, I graduated in 05. Okay. So I my plan got derailed a little bit. Right after I graduated high school, the following weekend, I had a really bad head injury from skating and was in a coma for four days and oh. brain bleeding and skull fracture and what all that stuff. What happened? How did that happen? I just jumped down a set of stairs and missed my, my thing, and I landed back on the board when I wasn't expecting to, and I just whipped out and just smacked my head. So I don't remember anything, luckily. I remember eating breakfast. I remember waking up four days later. And so I had severe brain bleeding and skull fracture and a blood clot in my brain from the bleeding and all this different stuff. Needless to say, I mean, when I woke up, I, I couldn't read. Food had no taste. It was like my brain reset. And it took like a month to kind of turn back on. Did every, everything came back? Like food, the taste of food, everything yeah, came back? You're yeah, yeah. So I know. That so now I feel pretty, like I feel pretty normal now. Um, but it took... A few months, you know, to like really get everything kind of back and sure. going. So they wouldn't clear me to leave because I had this blood clot. And they're like, look, it's either going to clear or we're going to have to operate on it. So come November, they're like, look, it's still not gone. But we think at this point you haven't had any complications. It'll probably just adjust. You'll probably just grow new, you know, veins or whatever happens. I don't know. They're like, look, go ahead and go. If you go out there and you have seizures or you fainting or any of that stuff, you got to come back and get surgery. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> exactly. That's a hell of a send off. You know? Exactly. So I just want to go. You so fall down, bad. drooling on the side and convulsing. <laughs> Let us know. It's time uh, to come home. Yeah. yeah. So that's yeah. That's the doctor's advice. All right. Just hold that thought. We'll be back shortly. There's a quick one. Got to pay the bills here for all this great information you're giving. Woo. All right, guys. Ready for this one? You're gonna love this. I have another free gift for you. Free. Get this for free, right? Dashlane.com. I will tell you this. I am the biggest offender of this with passwords because, you know, I, I'm I'm older than you, probably most of you, right? I, I look pretty good. I'm 57, by the way, right? But here's the deal, right? I spend, I think, <laughs> I think I spend 20 hours a year. The average is 11 hours. I probably spend 20 hours a year changing my passwords, forgetting my, I'm constantly changing, forgetting, managing my passwords, except now I have Dashlane. Let me explain what Dashlane is. Dashlane is the Ferrari of password management systems. In other words, what you do with Dashlane, and this covers every device you have and every website you go to, every password, right? You make one password. And by the way, that password doesn't even go to them. They don't know it. I don't know how this works. I'll admit, you know, you know like, listen, I go to a light. And I turn the switch on. I'm not exactly sure what happens every step of the way. I don't have to worry that there's a guy over in the power station sending electrical energy based on a magnet spinning with, a, you know, inside an electric a, a, a coil with a magnet, right? And I turn, I know the light goes on when I turn it on. So I don't have to understand exactly what Dashlane does to understand that 
A, they never get my password, but somehow they have a system and it's fully encrypted with like the highest level of NSA encryption, where basically you create one password and then every time you go someone, you're gonna enter a password, you just use Dashlane. It's, it's like the sort of the, 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 um, the go-between between you and all these sites out there who are trying to hack. You hear this every day. It's crazy, right? Citibank, you know, X, you know, 200 million names, commas, nothing against Citibank, right? You know, other companies, it's constant hack after hack. With Dashlane, you wouldn't be one of the people that got hacked and now had to change everything because your identity is being stolen on the dark web. That's, that's crucial. And it's only getting worse. So with Dashlane, it's basically the Ferrari of password management tools. You enter one password through Dashlane. They don't even know what it is. It gets encrypted before it goes to Dashlane, not on their service. And then automatically, somehow, it syncs to all your other devices. And anytime you go on there, you don't have to actually enter passwords that are fresh. You use the Dashlane password and you're covered. That's powerful stuff, guys. And I said it's free. They're not going to charge you for it. So you get to sign up, check it out, use it for one month if you like it then you start paying for it. If you don't like it, don't pay for it. <laughs> I like that deal, right? I, 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 I just like that deal because I always say if someone's that confident that, say, you know what, it works that well, I'll give that a whirl. So let me give you the particulars here, okay? So number one, there's 11 million people already on this product here, okay? And I think, again, I was right. I think it is 11 hours. The average person is 11 hours changing passwords, okay? So here's the deal. The offer is it's free, 30-day trial, okay, of Dashlane. And this is the premium you're getting because it's on this podcast, okay? So go redeem this at dashlane.com slash wolf. Again, if you have more than one password, which we all do, right? Okay, Dashlane is a no-brainer, all right? So go to Dashlane.com right now, start your free trial, okay? You get to fix your password problem once and for all. Check this one out. It's a winner. All right, guys, ready for this one? Again, one of my all-time favorites. This is a company that I just massively respect, and I just would say it's probably the top three or four companies in the entire world with this product, Oracle NetSuite, Oracle, you know, multi-billion dollar conglomerate, Larry Ellison. They make nothing but the best products. The biggest companies in the world use this. And this is designed also, this specific product, for small, medium-sized companies and big ones too, but small entrepreneurs, mediums. Wow, NetSuite.com. What this is, is all the different financial suite of products, of software you would need, all wrapped up into one perfect, cohesive, cost-effective package. See, here's the problem. You have to know your numbers in business. You just do. If you don't, you're basically screwed. You, you know, you think you're making money or not. They always say what's not tracked and measured is not improved. It's just simply a true statement. So you have to be tracking, measuring, monitoring everything. This tracks your finances, your receivables, your payables, your accounting, your HR. The problem is, is without a product like NetSuite, and trust me, I know from my own business, you have eight different systems that aren't talking to each other. It's really difficult to get them to all work the right way, the way they would design. Like, for instance, Apple, not sponsoring Apple here, but I'll give them credit. What makes Apple, I use their products. Why? Because they make everything to integrate 
into one another. It's not like I'm using this for that, that. It's like they make the casing, they make the components. I know they don't make the chips, they, they outsource them. But the point is the software is designed to match with the hardware. You get it? It's an Apple product. Same thing with Oracle NetSuite. Everything is made by Oracle, designed by them to make one perfect business package. This does everything for you. You know, it won't pay the bills, but it allows you to leverage time, money, and perfectly manage your business, by the way, from a computer or from a mobile phone. If you're a business owner, seriously, or a CFO, or a bookkeeper, and you don't recommend this to the company you're working for, you're not in the CEO, just get this, say, we need this. Uh, you're making a huge mistake on Wall Street. You know what we call this? We call this a no-brainer. That's the bottom line. So let me just tell you exactly what the deal is here. Okay, number one, and this is coming from Larry Ellison's company, who knows how to make money. When you sign up now, they're offering you a special guide you get for free, seven key strategies to grow your profits coming from a guy worth thinking he's the third richest guy in the world. I, I want to read that book, right? Okay, it's netsuite.com slash wolf. netsuite.com slash wolf. You have to download your free guide, seven key strategies to grow your growth profits. Again, netsuite.com slash wolf. This one is a winner. So if you own your own business, you got to give this a shot. I'm telling you, it makes a big difference when all of your systems are talking to each other in the same language exactly as they were designed to do. NetSuite.com slash Wolf, get your free guide. So I just wanted to go so bad that I went anyway. And so I moved here at the end of 18 in November. I was scared to death. I thought I was going to have a seizure and die at any moment. I was out of my hometown. Um, you don't realize how much that mentality of small town is until you go to, you know, LA seemed like what it seemed massive. It seemed right. like the thought of driving here seemed insane. And I was scared out of my mind, if I'm being honest, but you know, I slowly kind of figured it out and put the pieces together. So that's the first. Did, did you ever have any uh, complications or it all worked out with your no, brain? No, knock on wood, I didn't. But you know, what's funny is I found this doctor who does brain scans, uh, that measures not cat scan i've had a lot of those but um like blood flow and activity sure, yeah yeah pet scan uh yeah, yeah, yeah spec yeah. scan Positron admission topography yeah. yeah so i'm gonna do the first one of those i've ever done in a in a week and then he's gonna come on my podcast and we're gonna talk about That's it also, yeah, it measures like your brain as it's using oxygen yes. it can measure the uptake of oxygen it's pretty cool is that so i'd never done that i'd never even heard about it so i read this guy's book and i'm like geez i wonder i mean there's all these stories about people with head injuries and something like 60% of all homeless people have had traumatic brain injuries. Mm. And it really affects people. And so thank God I feel totally normal. But I'm curious if maybe I, you know what I mean? Maybe I'm operating at 70% uh, steam. I don't here. think so. I have, <laughs> you, you seem perfectly okay to me. But I, I have to say that doctor probably had, this, it goes down like the history of the worst bedside batter ever. Right? right? Hey, listen, pal, you're, you're, you're free to go. But for real, just, you know, if you happen to be drooling, slurring, falling down, let us know, right? Yeah, if you die, come home. And <laughs> yeah. I literally, like, you know that? feeling when you stand up too fast and you get lightheaded yeah every time that happened yeah. to me i was like oh my god this is it i'm dead all right so that was so now you're here right okay you're 18 years old right you're trying to make your way so what what tell me what happens because because things 
happened pretty big for you relatively quickly. Oh, but like, big and quick. But, then, but let's t tell me how this happened. Because I want to, what I want to do is I want you to tell the story. Then what I really would like to do is then go back, slow it down, and try to get a strategy out of it that other people can kind of Perfect. use in their own life. Yep. And, you know, not maybe necessarily doing exactly like you, but like there's always clues to when someone succeeds and I want to try to extract those but let's first tell the story to get some context yeah big know? time so I'll give you the kind of overview and then we can dig in as soon as I got out here I reach out to my cousin who's a professional skateboarder his name's Rob Dyrdek okay who now is very well known um and I say look man um I'll do anything I just want to live in LA so I'll scrub your floors I don't know if you need your dishes washed maybe you need your laundry done so he was already really I don't know he was, he was a big time skateboarder he was point. a big skateboarder but he wasn't like a celebrity like he is now okay so he was just a pro skateboarder and you know people knew him in the skateboard world Got outside it. of that not so much and so um, I reached out to him I'm like look I'll do anything so we end up connecting I end up becoming his personal assistant so I'm washing dishes doing laundry doing all that stuff all of a sudden they start filming, uh, him and his security guard, Big Black, start filming a funny video. At the time, it was like, let's film a funny video. You guys are really funny. Let's see if there's anything here. That ends up becoming a pilot for Robin Big, that, or for MTV, I'm sorry. That ends up getting picked up by MTV. It's a show called Robin Big. That got picked up about a year and a half after I moved here. This thing explodes. It becomes so well known. Even the people that I took photos with downstairs here, they know me probably from that. Right, right. So it was that ingrained in people's, you know, it was when MTV was everything. Right. And so this thing becomes a phenomenon. I'm kind of slightly in it. Like I'm in the background. I'm the silly guy from Ohio that's 2000, like, what now? Eight? Gosh, seven, that had to be, yeah, seven, maybe 2007 seven, seven, or eight. Okay. So. Um, I'm the silly cousin that's just kind of getting messed with. And I'm like, man, I don't know what's going on here, but I know I want to be involved. Like, I want to be with these guys. And so this thing takes off. We do three seasons of it, and it changes everything. I mean, you know, when you get that sort of marketing power behind you, and that was early days in, like, MySpace. And so our MySpace pages are popping, and there's all these different things going on. We end up doing three seasons. It gets a little too taxing. Um, and we thought we were done forever. We thought reality TV was done forever. We we're going to go back. Both of our dreams were to be business people or entrepreneurs, mm. not to be celebrities. Mm. So about a year later, uh, MTV calls back and says, hey, we'd love to have you guys back on the network. Uh, my cousin is literally like a hero to the young male MTV audience. Uh, we'll, let's figure something out. So he figures out another show. It's called Fantasy Factory. This time, his old co-star, uh, Big Black, has moved to Texas to take care of his daughter. He's kind of out of the picture in this part. So it's me and him. So at that point, I say, gosh, I see what this did for my cousin, for Big Black. Uh, this thing is a machine. If I'm a bigger part of this next show, this is my chance. I don't want to be a celebrity. I don't want to do any of that. But man, do I want to create a life here in LA and create something that can last sure. for a long time. So I started coming up with ideas. We start working on the show. Um, getting to the point, the show launches. It's wildly successful again. I try a million different things. I tried microwave burritos. I tried men's accessories. I tried, I tried being a music producer. The idea that really stuck was my clothing brand, Young and Reckless. And I think it was just perfect. I think the idea fit the audience, fit the marketing, fit the everything. All right, just hold that thought for one moment here while we hear from our sponsors. We got to pay the bills after all, right? We got to pay the bills. All right, ready? We're back for the old faith, one of my favorite of all, right? So what do you do? When you're about to get into bed with a beautiful girl, girl, you dreams you love her, right? 
Got that little performance anxiety. Maybe you drank too much. God knows what. I, mean, I don't want to say you, you put too much up your nose because we don't promote that stuff on this show, right? I know the dangers of that. But there is an antidote to everything here, right? And that antidote is that little blue chewable pill, right, called what? Blue Chew. This stuff is the best. Listen, two versions, right? The short-acting version, which is like, you use it and you're, you're like, you know, you have, you, your dick is like, okay, let me use a metaphor here, ready? You ever see the movie Braveheart? Remember when they have to knock down, the, they're, they're doing a siege of the city of York, and there's like 20 guys with a battering ram, right? And they just boom, into the, into the boom, they knock down this giant castle. You take a blue chew, that's what your dick is like. You're like the battering ram from Braveheart that knocks down the castle door at York under the siege. Watch, watch Braveheart. I'm telling you, that's what you like. It's amazing stuff, right? I actually, I don't want to say it, but I, I used it last night. I admit it. You know, it was just one of those special nights. I, I wanted to be a man, you know. Not that that defines what a man is, but it kind of does. Uh, anyway, listen, guys, in all seriousness, I have made some mistakes in my life with this this sort of stuff, right? I've used some of the older versions, all right? The original, the stuff that came out many years ago. It was a miracle, no doubt about it, but that was generation one, right? Problem with that stuff is it took a long time to hit you, and you had to take it in an empty stomach, not blue chew. This stuff, you take it, and wham! It's like, you know, it's like <laughs> the thunderbolt. It's like, you know, you ever see the movie Shazam? It's like, Shazam, bam! You're like the battering ram from, from Raveheart. And, and here's the thing. Ready for this? It's also like you could be thinking about your SATs while you're fucking. How about that? You Okay, I'm thinking about SAT scores. I got to... It's amazing. It's like, it's like mindless. It's like you're a, a robot. It's really cool. Then there's the long acting version too. The stuff they call like Le Weekend, right? You take it on a Thursday night. It lasts like three days. You're like that. But also it's like you're, you're hard for three days. It's like, you know, you're only hard when someone like rubs your arm a little bit. That's all it takes. You're there. But you're not walking around with a hard on. That would be a little bit ridiculous right now. Excuse me. What's that in your pants? No, nothing. <laughs> nothing really. Anyway, listen. Another mistake I've made, I tried to buy some of the older versions online, right? See, I, I saw an ad. I ended up being an Indian company, right? They got the stuff in China. This shit didn't even work. And that's embarrassing. Imagine you were the girl. She sees you take a Viagra. Says, I'm going to take one seven, and you can't get hard. I mean, or like, or like you'll say you're just like you're a one shot you know, wonder, like without Viagra. I mean, I'll admit it. I, you know, as my younger days, maybe I could go three or four rounds. Yeah, without the stuff, and once I'm done. It's just the way it is, right? And don't lie to me and tell me you're not like that if you're over the age of 40, okay? And if you're under the age of 40, you're probably not as good as you think. Just trust me on that, all right? And anyway, and also, I, w I would never say that it makes your, your dick bigger. I won't say that, okay? Because that would be a, 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 but I think it does, it's just my own subjective claim. And I had this talk with an amazing guest on. Um, what was his name again? Simon, was it? I think uh, Simon. We told me this. There is that extra half inch that comes from full, like, excitement and blood flow. Well, think about that as well, okay? The last thing you want to hear is, is it in yet? Okay. <laughs> anyway, right? So that's the story. So here's the deal. This is made in the United States, and you're not actually having to call some pharmacy in India, like India, Bolpa, you know, Mumbai, we will never stop calling you. This is the United States. You're going to speak to a U.S. physician, all right? And they'll make sure there's nothing that, you know, contraindicates them prescribing it to you. They'll tell you what you should have. It comes to your door discreetly. And here's the best part of all. Ready? It's free. <laughs> How about that? The first order is free. 
I mean, come on, guys. And ask yourself this. Why wouldn't you give this a shot? Seriously. Why not? Give it a shot. All you pay is the $5 shipping and handling. You have a U.S. physician with you on the telephone. You give it a shot. I promise you, you take one of these pills, okay? And believe me, you are going to feel like the studliest stud in the world, and your wife or girlfriend or whatever, your boyfriend, whatever, will appreciate it like nothing else. This is the real deal, guys. I am confident in saying that. I'm not embarrassed. I mean, it's an, I was so happy when this stuff was originally invented many years ago, but in this form, the chewable form, where you can get it from a doctor in the U.S., from a U.S. pharmacy, and you get it for free the first time, if you don't do this, you have to say, What's, what am I doing? I'm just lazy. I'm not willing to just dial a phone or, or, or punch a few keys on the internet. So here's the website, right? It's go to bluechew.com, B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com, promo code WOLF. Trust me. Get your first order free. It's on me. And tell me if you don't have the best sex of your life. Bluechew.com. So, so, so you said you... In this show, I didn't, I, I'm, you know. No, no, it's okay, yeah. <laughs> what was the name? Of the, it was called Fantasy Factory? Yeah. People probably say, he doesn't know fantasy, what's wrong with you, right? Yeah. Okay, I, I don't, guys, I'm sorry. Yes. What was Fantasy Factory? So the idea was this. My cousin's dream was, my cousin was always a very business-oriented pro skateboarder. Okay. So his dream was, could I have a private skate park that had offices attached? So I could do business and I could go, it's kind of how you have your beautiful place and then you have this beautiful beach. Yeah. A skater's version of that is sure. these beautiful offices and then a skate park and you can just skate all day and work. So, Got it. So when this idea for the show came, he's like, oh gosh, this is the part, like we can put this on steroids now and we can make this Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. Is this actually some footage here? Let's check oh, it yeah, out. Oh yeah, yeah, there it is. There it oh, is, wow. man. It's literally like, it was like a Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. Is that Rob? Yep. That's my cousin. And that's the tour. That's like the office area. Yeah, and then we'll see if he shows the uh, the skate park. Pretty cool. Yeah, so you know, it's just every skater's dream. And it became every young, especially young man's dream. You know what I mean? Because then it turned into zip lines and foam pits and trampolines. And like we would just buy any crazy toy. Here he's about to show you. We would just buy any crazy toy and bring it in there because it was a 25,000 square foot warehouse. How old is he? How much older is he than you? He's 13 years older than me. So okay. he's 45. Got it. So he was relatively, he wasn't a young guy when he was a There it is. Look at oh, all that. Wow. So you got a foam pit, you got a... One of those blobs that people launch people into a lake, but we would do it into the foam pit. We'd have dogs and all of our homies over skating, and yeah, that's awesome. So man. yeah, he was young. Uh, he was young, I guess, in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, like, yeah. But uh, great skater, great skater, great skater. But old enough to know, have this vision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, got it. So um, look at this stuff. This is the type of stuff we were doing. <laughs> so. Got so it, then man. that becomes life. And what I always say is like when you said, well, how'd it go when you got here? It was like those first eight years of my time in L.A., thank God, were insane. It went from like small town worrying about where cows are running away to, to this, right. to MTV, to people knowing who you are, to trying to launch businesses in like no time. And that was my college. That was my everything. So, you know, what's me stop you for a second. What you said something like um, that you took very much for granted, almost like so when... 
you have the success, the show ends. Yeah. Right. And they said, yeah, but I knew, like, I, you know, I, I knew what I wanted to, like, I, I saw what, what could happen. If he was going to do a new show, I had to be a part of it because I knew what could be. Most people, like, you took it very for granted that you had that idea, mm-hmm. and that's the idea that changed everything for you, yep. basically. It took you from relative obscurity compared to where you are right now. You have yep. this idea, you saw an opportunity, right? Yep. And you weren't limited by the fact of where you came from, yep. what your life used to be like, right? You had this great vision of what you thought your life could be like, yep. and you went for it. You did something. You actually got active, right? So that's and that's like the to me is like a real big. There's two turning points. Number one, right, is that you had the balls to say, "I'm out of here. I'm going to L.A." Yeah. yeah. And but a lot of people do that. They yeah. will do that. But that's 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 it's commendable, but it's not uncommon. Yep. But what's re- more uncommon, though, is what you did, though, is that when you actually had an opportunity, and then the opportunity, yeah, it was a little blip of notoriety, but then you were like, you, you didn't let it go with that. You actually yeah. took it to the next level. You saw an opportunity, yeah. and you seized it, right? Yeah. Big time. So the two lessons I learned from that is, number one, I saw a lot of people, because we were around a lot of famous people, and, right. and now I've been doing this for years. I've seen a lot of people that get a little bit of success and stop. And I think that kills. It's kind of like that saying, don't let good be the enemy of great or something like that. It's like, I've seen kids who are well, high that's school. average sucks. <laughs> there you go. I love that. It's like, there, how many people are there that were high school football stars and peaked? That, like that's, you know what I'm saying? Because that's, you're, that, that's my point. In other words, is that you, like a lot of people will will, will get to that point where they, they say, I never got my shot, but they actually had their shot. Yeah. In other words, there was something in front of them, yeah. but for whatever reason, they didn't act on it, they didn't see it, they yeah. they thought too small, or they didn't have the balls just to say, you know what, fuck it, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm just gonna go for it. Yeah. So when you approach, so you, know, you, I didn't know who Big Black was, but so yeah. he was out of the scene now, right? So yeah. it was, so Rob needed a, a, a cohort, a cap, yeah. so you, Basically, position of, I'm that guy, right? Yeah, big and time. And you turn yourself into that guy. Yeah, big time. And you I was made scared yourself, to death. You made yourself interesting. You you put yourself out there for ridicule. Yeah. Right? 100%. And I did the stupidest right. shit. And, but I knew, like, I, and that's what I was going to say is everyone in their life can, you can feel when that energy's going. It's somewhere around you. Like maybe your friend has something going on and, and you sh- want to be a part of it. Or maybe, you know, there's this way on Wall Street. Maybe it's just something's pulling you there. But I think a lot of people out of fear uh, don't just go jump in and be stupid and get kicked around and figure it out, but get involved in what was going on. And that's what I always yeah. say is when I was young, I, there was never, even to this day, there's no part of me that wants to be famous or a celebrity or do more TV shows. But if that's a means to selling more product and having a more successful business, I'm all in. And I think at that age, I could just tell like, this is something really, really special and I'll do anything to be involved because I just got here. So I'll do literally anything. And then the only other thing I was going to add is I think a lot of people have great ideas and you know i had the idea for the clothing line and i'm sitting there in my bedroom writing the words out and but you gotta act you gotta go do it you have to go look stupid and sound dumb and not know what you're doing i went around trying to find business partners and i'm 22 years old i sound like an idiot but at the same time i kind of have this ego because i'm on tv but i have to let all that go because i'm not anything when i walk in this office because i'm out of my league now right so i got to go in there now and get kicked around all over again find business partners, figure out how the clothing business even works, mm-hmm. and really put some things into action. And it's something I still try to try to do today. I have a lot of ideas right now. And I find 
I can feel a little bit of a tug on me that says, no, don't do it. Everything's fine now. Mm. People like you. You have a podcast. You have success. Just don't put yourself out there. What if you make a stupid mistake and it all crumbles and everyone knows you're stupid? That's so dumb. And I think that's the thing that I'm always fighting is you got to get out there and like you know, just, so let's go. I want to I talk about that. The one thing I want to go back to, though, is you, you made a statement. It's, it's more true than you think you said like about you know sometimes there's a certain energy there's something going on yeah. with a friend. but like you know here's here, the, here's what it really is the old saying mm-hmm. right is that you want to make and you probably respect this coming from a small town mm-hmm. you make hay when the sun shines yes well, what really happens and i've seen this in business forever i mean like you know since i'm really young yeah. is that sometimes the shit is right and most of the time it's just not yeah and when the shit ain't right, you can work really, really hard and you can make a little bit of money. Yeah. But when the shit is right, a little bit of effort and you have massive success. Like yeah. when you really see people get rich, it happens hard and fast and money is almost easy. To, easy. I want to say even say it comes in really quickly. And when you are really soaring, it's like it's almost when you're in flow, it's yeah. almost like it seems like, wow, every move I make is the right move. I'm yeah. on like almost have the wind at my back. And yet... For most of our lives, it's not quite like that. So no. you're almost like, you know, you're almost like have to take those windows of opportunity really seriously yeah. and jump through them. Is that kind of like a million percent? And yeah. leave. I always tell my friends, it's like if you have that friend that's just in a crappy relationship and they always come to you and they're like, man, I hate my girlfriend. She does this. She does it. Leave. Yeah. Every moment that you spend in the wrong thing, yeah. you're not exactly. opening yourself up to the new thing. And so even though someone might be listening to this and be like, well, no, I'm literally auditing my whole life and nothing is exciting. Okay, great. But there's something you're doing that's holding you down and weighing you back. Let go of that and go out and find the excitement because you can feel it. And I think one thing that drives people nuts is when they're bitter and they feel like life passed them by and they knew in their gut that there were those, they had chances. Right. And Most there people were do. Things, and they sat them out. And so you blame everyone else and you say, oh, easy for you to say. And I get it. It would be a terrible feeling. But that's still what I try to practice today. I'm by far, I'm far from anyone who has it figured out. But I now recognize when I have those feelings creeping up and I know to tell them to shut up because I know that's the thing that will keep me out of the game. Let me ask you a question. So you, you talk about fear right managing fear right and it's very common in the world of self-development and Mm -hmm. people who you know supposedly experts and gurus i you know a lot of them are full of shit but you know some are real right i'm real (laughs) no no i've done it right (laughs) Mm -hmm. okay and um and i've been both up and down so i know the difference and and um i think the the general consensus out there Mm. is that what stops people from taking action? Because what you're saying is so true. And there's, there's this moments in your life, right, where you, you know, it's like the fork in the road. Do you go for it or do you not? Yeah. Do you take the risk or do you not? And what people say is, well, people don't tend to take that risk because they have a fear of failure. Yeah. They don't want to fail. And, and I think that's true. But I think there's another side to the equation in the mm-hmm. sense that it's not so much that people are scared to fail, it's that they truly don't believe they're going to succeed. Yeah. In other words, they can't imagine themselves. Like they say, well, I don't really know how to do business. I don't know how to sell clothes or market myself. I wouldn't know what to say. So they, when they play the movie out, they're like, I, I, I don't think, because I, I got to do a lot of work yeah. and I got to take a lot of risk. Yeah. So if I'm going to do all that work and take the risk, 
well, I, I can't even see myself succeeding. So it's like this, it's a lack of self-belief in succeeding yep. more than it is the fear of failing. I mean, no one wants to fail, but what, what do you think about that? I think you couldn't be more right. And I think you can kind of say like, okay, it's the fear of failing and looking stupid. It's the fear of, um, sorry, it's not even the fear. It's the, I don't believe I could even win even if I did do everything. Right, that's that, exactly, that's what I, I exactly, yeah, right? And I think even with some people, it's there's something subtly in you that says, what if this does work? Can I really even live up to that? What if I do ship these shirts and they work? I'm not ready. I like worrying about what I have to worry about right now. I don't want that level of worries because we all know, right? Whatever level in life you're at, you just have a different level of worries. No doubt. Period right. end. Yeah. And I think there's something in people that's like, gosh, man, I don't want that level of responsibility. I'm fine with my worries now. Mm. And I don't want those worries. Mm -hmm. And I think when you stack, it could be any one of those things, but all of them are reasons not to do it. When the reason to do it is like, what, because you know you should? It's hard. I get it. Well, that's, that's a good point. So you, you bring up a really good point on, on terms of the worry. I, you know, people say, I don't want everything that comes with success, meaning yeah. I'm just going to have more problems, bigger problems, right? It's like, you know, telltale signs of limiting beliefs about money and success. But let me ask you a question, mm -hmm. all right? Now, as a person who's been there, done it, um, what would you say to someone mm -hmm. who's thinking that? Would you say it's absolute bullshit and self What's the truth, the truth of it? The truth is it's, in, oh, this is going to sound a little dramatic, no pun intended, but to me, it's the only option. Because there is something, I don't know, I'm not this smart. So what I do know is that there is, there's something inside of us that knows. You just know. And you know when this is an opportunity you might want to take. This is an idea you might want to try to execute. This is, an, this is a, a, a point where I could learn, grow, evolve. And well, I think what you're supposed to be, in other words, right? Like you yeah. almost know in your own, you know you're meant for more, like that sort of aspect yes. of it. Yes, and I think in my mind, like if you really look at the universe, once again, warning of me sounding way out there. No, you don't sound way out. You don't, honestly, you don't sound way out there at all. You're speaking truth right now, so keep going. So if you look at the entire universe, everything evolves, period. Plants, trees, stars, literally everything. And I think in us is this natural urge to evolve. And I think you can feel when there's an opportunity to evolve. And I think that the feeling of not evolving because you become a victim of fear and all of these forces trying to stop you is the, it, it's the, per, it's, that is misery. So you're talking about, you're, you're, what you're doing is you're authentically saying something that's a buzzword for many people, uh -huh. either you grow or die. Yeah. But you're saying it authentically in a yeah, way that I, 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 I seldom hear people speak like that, but that's the, the truth behind either you're growing or you're dying is yeah. a sense that we can't be static creatures. We're not meant to be static. Yeah. So either we're expanding our knowledge, our opportunities, we're moving forward, or we're moving backwards or contracting. We're not just, you can't just stay pat and say, I'm happy now, or at least I'm not miserable right now. So if I just stay where I am, I'll be okay. Yeah, you can't. I mean, I've never met a baby that said like, nah, I'm not going to try to walk. I'm cool sitting. Right. You know what I mean? I yeah. like crawling is kind of for me. I'm just, I'm 12 years old now, still don't care about walking. Right. It's like, you just do it. Right. And so I think it's the same way with, well, I wonder what it'd be like if I started that business or joined this sports uh, club or did this thing. It doesn't all have to be business. It's just growth and evolution. And mm -hmm. I think you feel a call to it. I think all of those things we just outlined are things that try to keep you from doing that. And I think the name of the game is to master 
not listening to those and listening to that inner voice. And that's where happiness and the meaning of life and all that stuff comes from. I really do. And I think the other alternative is misery. And I think all of the misery that you see with violence and gangs and and, uh, drug abuse for the sake of drug abuse and all these different things stems somewhere at the root from a lack of purpose and growth and meaning. Not having something that you're going after, a vision that you're moving towards, right? Instead of trying yeah. to, almost like it's it's some level, it's like living life playing defense versus offense. Yep. And no one ever wins playing defense. Yeah, and it's almost like not even defense. It's like, I'm just going to stay under the bleachers yeah. and like not even go out there. You know what I mean? And maybe I at least to, playing defense, know, you'll get exactly what you mean. the shit kicked out of you a couple of times and get tougher. You know what I mean? But... Yeah, I just think it's a natural, I, I don't have, um, like you said about the motivational people, I'm not that guy and I, and I haven't mastered like how to make these things sound really pretty, but I do know that for myself and everyone that I've talked to. That's the, what I like about what you're doing though. That's, you're saying it re, in a real way. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm not that guy. I mean, I've never, I'd like to one day, but I've never done speaking. I've never wrote a book. I've never done any of that stuff. I, that's why I really look up to you. But um, So I don't have it all polished, but I do know that that is... Me and everyone that I talk to, that's at the core. When you track anyone all the way back down, mm. it's because you know the, people become insecure and scared to move. And then when you're scared to move, the insecurity piles up and piles up and piles up. And now you're less likely to move because you're more insecure. Security and growth and confidence comes from small wins and comes from learning that you just did something that you didn't think you could do yesterday. And I mean as small as like I read a book front mm-hmm. to back. It doesn't have to be like I started a Fortune 500 business. Right, That's where right. all these people on Instagram, I think, have it wrong because you're looking at all these successful people and thinking if you're not doing that, you're a loser. But you miss the reward that comes with every small victory. I mean, when I first got a trademark for the name Young and Reckless, that feeling was greater than probably a feeling I've had all this year. Um, so it's those little wins that you know you're moving forward, and that fuels the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And one day you look back and you say, wow, look what I did. That's interesting. And then you're talking to Jordan Belfort on a podcast, <laughs> and you're like, what the hell? I, I remember. Listen, I, I, so what you're saying is so true. Like, I forgot some of this. I'm, I'm, I'm old, but I keep saying that because you're young. <laughs> but but, uh, but um, I remember, like, the first – when I first started my, my, my meat business, I was 21, and we went to this accountant, right? Yeah. And he was like a – old Jewish accountant who knew nothing about the meat business and we explained to him the model and probably didn't really probably properly explain it (laughs) and he looks at the two of us and he says to us well it sounds like you guys are going to be rich we're like we're rich we're like like that feeling of just actually going to see a professional and telling him your idea is almost the start of it right there even though it turned out like that we made every stupid move after that but the point was is that i'll never forget that feeling there's a certain feeling let me let me go back to this one thing that you hit you hit on that's really profound here okay Mm -hmm. Uh, you talked about about people not wanting to essentially let's say fearing success in the sense that if i get richer or i grow myself my worries will only become bigger and more profound and I'll tell you what I say to that, you know. I and I, it's and Leo says it in the movie because I wrote it in my book and I said it back in my early twenties. You know, I've been a rich man, I've been a poor man, and I choose rich every 
fucking time yep. because here's the deal. I still have problems while I'm a rich man, yep. but I get to show up looking good. I got a nice watch on. I got a nice suit on. Yep. I'm in the back of a limo. Money's an amazing problem solver. So yep. while it's true, yes, you're going to always have problems. The richer you get, the problems get bigger. And you also, if you're a good person, you're taking care of more people, right? But it's a heck of a I mean, that there's a disempowerment that comes with playing life small yes. and playing defense. And then that's what you were talking about, this almost crippled feeling that you have where it's like it's you get scared and more sp- it yes. just like feeds on itself yes it's and you know what people don't talk about enough so you are 100 right and i remember that line very vividly i same thing and i would rather be rich every single time yeah of course the other thing that people don't talk about is yes more money more problems yes more responsibility bigger uh troubles but there is something to going to bed at night feeling like your problems are your problems and your wins are your wins and you're not at the whim of somebody else's mood or what they want to do that is worth more than any of it. Being a creature, being not being a creature of circumstance, being a creator yeah. of circumstance, right? Even if you say like, hey man, I want to buy this new yacht. And sure, with that yacht, you're going to need staff, you're going to have taxes, you're going to have all that stuff. There's something to knowing that that's your decision. And if you're going to lose because you didn't think about all the bills, that's your loss. And you're going to bounce back. And if you're going to win, that's your boat. And those are your people. And that's your thing. And and once again, this isn't an ego thing. It's having your life. It doesn't matter if your version of that is back in Akron, Ohio, and you it. own a, You know what I'm saying? There's you, something about yeah. life being under your control It's that the feels opposite good. of a victim mentality, basically. Yeah, big time. Yeah. Right? It's like not allowing anyone to dictate your circumstance, right? Yeah, it's Let, let's good. let's get into strategy right now because once okay so here's the interesting thing you said mm-hmm. I agree with every single thing you've said so far right you're you're a real dude and you speak truth and I love that right okay. so you said you have no formal training but I'll tell you what you you know a thousand times more than ninety eight percent of people teaching success out there because yeah. you've actually lived it and achieved it right so let's go back to this point when you have your so you okay so you, you saw opportunities right that's like inner game that's like I look at that as the inner game says opportunities are around us, right? You saw one, you had the balls and the fortitude to act, stick with it, right? Yep. But then you take a shot, right? Yep. And you said, you tried this, that, but then something happened and you you started this clothing line, the young and the, and the reckless, young right? Reckless, Which is yeah. a great name, by the way. Thank you. Fucking awesome, right? Brilliant, yeah. right? So right from there, there's something, you must have said, what a great, you had to think it was a great name. Yeah, I did. Not it's a great fucking did, name. I did, yes. Yes. No, you had to know, like, wow. Like, no, seriously. No, great. I wasn't. I was so pumped. I'm saying the people around so, me, some of the people around me were like, I don't know, man. It's a great name. Yeah, I was pumped. Yeah. All right. And, yeah. I, and of course, in hindsight, I can always say that because it's successful. It was a great, of course, not. Of course, of course. <laughs> right. No, but so so tell me now, okay. You see, you go into this business and it's got to be scary as hell. You don't know anything about business, right? Yeah. So tell me the journey. How, what was like, what was like sort of the, um, just like how did you start it like you know did you have mentors what did you do yep okay so the start is really entertaining i went around so i'll be honest the first thing i did was my cousin had a bunch of clothing sponsors he was more business savvy way more than me all this stuff so the first thing i did was came up with a logo and a name went to my cousin said hey man uh will you help me do this and he's like look i don't i don't have the time i don't have like if you want to make a clothing line, go make a clothing line. So I was devastated. And I always say that was one of the best things that ever happened to me because it forced me to go do this. And had I just done that, it would have been out of business in three years because it would have been some handoff licensing deal sure. thing. So I go around. 
I meet with people to potentially be business partners. So all that I'm looking for is someone who knows how to actually manufacture the clothes, get it out there. I'll do all the marketing design. I'll tie it into this TV show we're on. But I need it quick. I don't have time to learn all of that for two years. I need. I have like six months. So find these perfect partners. And the thing that made them so perfect was they just were willing to take the risk and do something that was a little off the wall. Because it was kind of like, hey, man, I'm on this thing. I have a vision. Right. You know, they seemed right. Mm-hmm. And they had a lot of experience. So partnering up with those guys, I started, I printed up a box of samples. Um, what, what was the product? Like, what was it? Like, so t-shirts. So the first product was literally just the logo in a bunch of different colors on all these different shirts printed on American apparel blanks. Okay. And I printed them up and I wore them everywhere I went and I put all over my office and I did everything I could and I wore it on this show that we were on and did everything I could. I, I was in probably, what, a couple hundred bucks, right? That's it. I then, I had a really good relationship with the editors of the show. So I went, as soon as it was done being edited, about three months before it aired, I went and got a copy, a DVD copy of the episode where it was first tied in. And me and my business partner drove it down to PacSun, the big mall retailer, and we said, look at this, watch this episode. This is about to be the biggest thing in the world. Everyone's gonna love it, everyone's behind it. If you guys take it for all doors, which was 600 doors at the time, and have it in the store by the time this episode airs, we'll give it to you exclusively for six months. I'll say your name in the TV show. I'll come to every store for autograph signings. And they bid on it. <laughs> it sounds like you studied the straight line system. <laughs> exactly, right? Right? I wish I had it at the time. I probably would've got double the order. But well, I it always comes down to sales at the end of the day, right? Uh, yes. At, you went absolutely. down, you fucking sold the shit. Yes. And All so right? I spent and you did a good job too. It's two hundred dollars. By the way. Thank you. So I, so I spent so here's the thing. <laughs> they didn't stand to lose anything. So if they try it and it flops, sure right. they made a little order, sure. but I said their name on a TV show. Sure. I signed all their stuff. Whatever. So they have nothing to lose. We have nothing but upside. I spent, everyone says, well, where'd you get money? Who was your investors? Well, I spent no money. I spent $200 on samples. The first order was already made when I printed the shirts to ship it. So we were instantly ready to go. So just to kind of run through the rest, it then, it had a bit of a rough start. First couple years was really tough because a TV show and me, that's not enough to launch a, a nationwide clothing line, right? Okay. So then we go, so I'm devastated. I'm like, okay, this isn't gonna work. My dream's How dead. much revenue did you do the first year? Gosh, the first year, I don't know, sub one million. Okay, but yeah. the over half a million? Yeah, roughly around half a million, okay. I think. So we, and that was just with PacSun. So then, but it's now, it's going to the back of the stores, it's on the floor, it's getting dusty, no one's sure. finding it. So I go and and we just get everyone that we can to wear it and chase people down and take cell phone pictures and oh, here's an up and coming celebrity, here's an influencer, here's a rapper, here's a, look at all these people, this is the biggest clothing line in the world, this isn't some MTV thing, this is huge. Then we go, we do a project with uh, the rapper Meek Mill right before his first album came out and that was a big one for us because he was just about to blow up and we caught him at the right time and he was wearing the brand and riding dirt bikes, it was just so perfect. Then we did a thing with Machine Gun Kelly and he was wearing it on tour and crowd surfing and young and reckless and now this feels like something. So at that point, after a couple years of that, we crept back up from the back of those stores in the dust, slowly, slowly, slowly. So it was a slow start, you're starting to get brand awareness, right? Yes, but then at that point, three years in, it took off. What was there, was there like a moment, was there like a, something happened that like all of a sudden, was there like a, a quarter where there was just a all of a sudden you're like whoa or no or just or just consistent growth? Was there like was there a tipping point to it? 
I wouldn't say one pure one, but the way that it feels in clothing is like, oh, we're starting to rumble. Oh, we're going. The snowball's getting bigger. Okay, we got some action here. And then all of a sudden, you're just untouchable. Like, it's just like, and I don't take that lightly, but I mean, like, all of a sudden, you can do anything and it'll sell. Mm. And it's just like, you can't ship enough shirts. You can't ship them fast enough. It's just going and going and going. And actually, part of my problem was I didn't know exactly which one thing it was, so I couldn't go recreate it. So it was just like, okay, we'll just do more then. Just yeah. get more people, more artists, more people who represent the brand, and just keep this train going. And, and it just hit that point where it became, you know, I think, humbly saying, I think the majority of young people that were in that time frame know the name Young and Reckless. They know what it is. If they bought it or not, they know it exists. So I know this business from Steve Madden Shoes, right? Yeah, so we yes. started Steve Madden Shoes. Yep. And you know, I mean, there is that tipping point, but part of it also has to do with just getting enough product out there into stores yeah. that people can actually buy it. In other words, what happens a lot in the beginning, one of these, there's just no product out there. So like there's like, you know, there's the, yeah, there's like this advertising. So you're talking about like, you know, your marketing campaign was a very grassroots type of campaign, right? Yeah. Just guerrilla style going out there, getting celebrities, influencers to talk about it, where it be seen with it, right? Yeah, yeah. Were you doing any supportive, like organized advertising, just that, guerrilla marketing? Gosh, in the beginning, it was just that. It was right when Instagram started, and we're just chasing everyone down with cell phones, asking for pictures. The only formal stuff we did was, you know, we would make um, POP in-store signage for the brand and do everything we could that way. We were always doing autograph signings at the stores, um, but that was it for such a long time. And And... Was there, I mean, was it like a ton of different styles? Or was it like a couple of fast movers that were selling? What was the mix of products? So there's always, even today, there's always the leaders. And then there's kind of this like uh, halo, you know, trail. Um, so it was always hoodies in the winter, tees, hats were on fire. Now we've obviously expanded to, you know, denim became a massive business for us that we didn't really expect. And uh, activewear for women and all this different stuff now. But especially at the time, it was pretty compact. It was probably you know, 25 different SKUs and you'd have the two or three just heroes that you couldn't keep on the shelf and then that would kind of halo right. the rest. All right, so let's go back. So now, you, okay, so you have this, what's the year? Did you hit, what's the year to hit the tipping point? When is that? That was probably 2013, 12 okay. maybe. So things start to really rock and roll, right? How yeah. many employees do you have at this time? So that time probably 50. Okay. Yeah. And where are you manufacturing everything? Domestically uh, so or foreign? A little bit of both. Okay. Yeah. So all the printing, all that stuff is done here. All right. the tees, all the hoodies. Uh, denim, that stuff is China. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So um, we're, and it's all located in California right here? The business? Where's, where's your operations? Yeah, everything's here. In California, right? Yep. So how does it go? Explain to me. So as a guy, you know nothing about business, right? Yeah. So how did you, you – what was your strategy – Right to go from let's say from five hundred grand, what were like the steps? Like there was a, did you hire? Did you hire someone? Did you give equity away to someone? Did you did you did you give little chunks? Of, what did you do? So what I did is I tried to just me and my partners obviously had shared equity. I tried to just hire talented people that had done it before. So I hired people from other brands. Uh, like, for instance, one of the big things was hiring a salesperson from another brand that was in a similar space to ours. So they knew who to go to and put your, get your stuff out there as yes. the market. So now, our six months is up at PacSun. Uh, we go to Tilly's. 
and we say, hey, guys, this is a big thing, blah, blah, blah. And, and now the cool thing is it's already well known because Pac Suns and Tilly's aren't far from each other in malls. Sure. So they've been walking by seeing it. Yeah. Um, so now you go to them and they say the way it works is they say, all right, we'll do a test. We'll buy it for 50 doors. You know, we'll buy 10 pieces of door. And let's see how you do. And you wait two weeks. You see how selling is. OK, we'll take it for 75 doors, then right. 150. So now you grow that. Then you go meet with Macy's. Mm-hmm. Same thing. Show them all the clothes. Tell them why it's the hottest brand in the world. We'll give you 25 doors. Go, go, go. Same thing with the buckle. Same thing with Dillard's. Same thing. So that's kind of the model of how to grow. Um, The greatest thing that I had was talented people around me that had the relationships at the stores, had had success with other brands. You know, one big thing, I'm sure you know this very, very well, is like if you're new in a market, as soon as you can, try to get someone who has a good reputation from another competitor or from whatever. Yeah. They now Tilly's loves the guy who sold them all the yeah. whatever the brand was. Yep. So now you have that guy walking in, doing the sales pitch, doing autograph signings at everyone's store, and just growing the thing. I mean, to answer your original question, it was a lot of just one foot in front of the other. Yeah, and risking looking dumb and saying, you know what, I don't know, but. Who really know? Like, let's just get into. Did you it. ever go down the road of trying to open up in your own stores for for the young and reckless? We never did. You never did it. We did um, a showroom on Melrose up in in LA, and um, and it was great. But we never. It's you know what happened to us is we could we never had the the bandwidth to really do it right. So I never want. I didn't need the growth. My I still had so much growth in other people's retailers. Right. And then before I ever got to that point, retail started contracting and mm. having trouble. And now that's a whole different monster. And so I never got to that point. Because then at that point, we switched all of our efforts to e-commerce. Right. So now that our e-commerce is going really well and continually growing, I think there will be a day before too long that we end up opening a store. Because it's nice to have a physical place. And Well, you know what we did? With, so I'll tell you how the Steve Madden, Steve Madden got started. So it wasn't yeah. like the movie was fictitious. Yeah. So Steve was a startup when he came to me, right? Mm-hmm. And and what made Steve Madden Steve Madden was this incredible formula of having – there was two stores. There was a, a store in um, – that we had in like in Miami that was in a really hot area. Like it was a, a so we stole, sold to, right? Yeah. And another one in Melrose, yeah. right? And what you would do is you'd put stuff in there and you'd get these early reads on what was hot. Yes. And you would see what would sell. You would know right away. You go to these trendy areas, ultra trendy areas. You find out, like put six shoes in, you see which one sold. Yeah. And you get the intelligence from that. And then what we would do was we'd have the shoes manufactured in Mexico. Yeah. As opposed to China, but it t- and while it's more expensive, it would take you six months in a slow boat from China versus six weeks from Mexico. So we could beat like nine Western butlers. You'd beat them into the slow. Yep. You said it makes. Hey, we know what's selling. This yes. one sells. Yes. That one doesn't. Here's and we could deliver fast anyway. And then what happened was is the our own stores, the Steve Madden stores, right? You put them in the malls along yep. with all the people who were carrying, and they loved it. it. Actually, built the brand. They didn't mind you having your own yeah. retail stores. That was the Steve Madden formula. Yeah, it's so huge, and that's exactly what I do today. Still with but now my it's online website. Though. Yeah, yeah. Because right. the amazing thing is, you order small quantities of a lot of stuff. You the moment you get a read on what that sell through is, which you can get it up to the minute now. I don't have to wait for Paxson to tell exactly. me. Exactly. Then you double down on the order. You replenish on those ones. You let the other ones burn out. And then you can go to all your retailers and say, 
this is hot. We know it's hot. Right. This is already working. Look at all the social media support. Look at all these different things. This is a proven success. So now it's just kind of, it's the same strategy, just in reverse. Kinda, sure. You know? What was the most important lesson you learned in business early on? Like, let's go, like, you know, there's different stages, right? In the first year or two. Yeah. What was the biggest lesson that you learned? The biggest lesson was like, you cannot, I hate to be repetitive, but you cannot have pride. Like you can't be too cool to go f learn. Like if you get a meeting with Macy's, take that meeting. If you don't know how to sell, try your best. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because you cannot afford to sit one out, to look cool, feel cool, stay out of, you know what I'm saying? Like go for it. You know what you need to realize, everyone, is that what he's saying is the other side of this is the people that you're talking to, they don't know a fucking thing. They don't know how you're supposed to sound. Like, they don't know what's right or wrong. Yeah. Like, you, you say, oh, I screwed it up. They said they thought you did a great job because they didn't yeah. know what you were going to say. So even when you screw up, oh, yeah. they, they didn't know what you were supposed to say. That's such a good lesson because there is, you can confidence <laughs> you know, you can, your way through exactly. anything. Exactly. If you, you sound like, you know, you're like, all right, well, he seems to sound like he knows what he's doing. They didn't yeah. know you have totally fucked up your own pitch, right? Yes. I've left so many situations where like, I blew that and they're like, you were great. Right. You and, know? And this is, but that's the, it's actually a strategy. It's called acting as if to go yeah. out there and just act with confidence, talk with confidence. Yeah. But the, the difference is though, you can't do that very long. You have to then Fill the knowledge gap, yes. you back in yep. to the knowledge gap, yep. right? Yep. Right. And that comes, like, I think that as long as you have a good head on your shoulders, you, like, I always say this, um, the most thrilling part of riding a bike is when you first take the training wheels off, you've crashed a few times, and now you finally get yeah. going. It's amazing. And you are wobbling all over the road, but man, you're going. It is exhilarating. And that is the feeling that you want to try to live in, in everything in your life. You want to be just in there. You know what I mean? You don't want to get comfy. You don't want to just be riding that good old bike down the road and you don't want to be falling everywhere. You want to be just figuring it out and learning and growing. So it's the moment after you figure it out like, and you get that feeling like, oh my God, the physics actually works out. If yes. I pedal fast enough and just uh, the pe faster I pedal, the easier it becomes yes. to ride, right? And you're like, like, I'm untouchable. And then you get that feel, right? You realize, oh my God, I had it wrong because it would seem to be the opposite. Life yeah. is very good. It's a great metaphor, by the way. Yeah, I, that's what I try to, once again, it's not me telling everyone, hey, this is what I do every day. It's effortless. That's what I try to remind myself where right. the most fun is. Sure. And so when I'm walking into a meeting at Macy's and I don't know what the hell I'm doing, but I'm confident as all hell, that's the wobble. Because when you walk out and you're like, I got it. That right. is how you do it. You get a little bit more skill, a little bit more skill, a little bit more skill. That's that's, right, that's it. the early lesson. Let's go to phase two now, right? So now yeah. you have success behind you, right? Yep. Now you're in that moment where you say damn i got something great here it's you know it's gonna go yep. now it's about how do i really turn this into something awesome what's the next big lesson you learn so the way it went for me was so now you're going 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 this thing's building you're on top of the world what year did wolf of wall street come out do you 2014 remember? great so early like 13 14 like the end of christmas so this is the funny thing about this i remember when that movie came out i was like yep that's me like, uh, that's me on that screen. Like, I'm just on top of the world. There was even a moment, I'll send you the picture, where to promote the movie, they, if I posted it on social media, they hired a marching band to come through my office. And I did it. <laughs> and it's me standing on top of the desk in a marching band in my office to promote Wolf of Wall Street. And I thought, like, well, I'm the next Jordan Belfort. So <laughs> I'm out of here. But um, so it's just going well, going well, going well. Then all of a sudden problems with retail started to creep up on us. And I think to the outside viewer, it looks pretty long. And like, we've been talking about this for five years. 
for me, it felt very, very quick. Give me an example. Is it problems? Like most uh, problems is like all of a sudden, like we're just like it felt all of a sudden, we're just product isn't selling, and it's not because you're not doing the right work or because people aren't recognizing your brand anymore. Our overall business is down. So the good news is you're only down twenty percent, but we're down forty. Mm-hmm. So it's like great. So now all of a sudden they're not making that reorder. Now you have all this product on order that you're waiting on from China that there's nowhere to put. Right. Now people want to return orders because they got to get their balance sheet looking right. Now you're taking product back. You have product on order that no one wants. And you're scared to go close it out of Marshalls because you'll destroy your brand if yes. you put it in the wrong place. Right? And, and now it happens so quick. Yeah. And so like I said, for me, it felt very, very fast. Um and that some, destroys a brand, but that's that, that you just yeah. said is really yeah. the destroyer of a brand. So they, when you, if you start closing out your shit in all the stores, the next thing you know, yeah. Macy's ain't buying what's going to be in TJ Maxx or something like that. You're yeah. really careful with that. And so a lot of people just can't handle, you know, even if you're making a lot of money, there's still quite a bit of float. Like there's still a bit, of, a lot of bit, of, a lot of money kind of floating around and on with your creditors, and there's a lot up in the air. So a few returned orders and some slow selling can collapse you real quick right and it's not that you couldn't have recovered it's that you can't cover your bills this year yeah and so it just got uh i mean the story just changed it was like oh i'm jordan belfort and now i'm like (laughs) no one this is crazy no now you're jordan (laughs) Belfort at the end putting like the dutchman putting your finger in all the holes trying to start right right so what'd you do um so number one i did feel really really bad like i felt terrible i think there was a combination that happened of like, we had stopped filming our TV show about a year or so earlier. And even though I didn't want to be on TV anymore and everything was going so great, I, I took for granted the family aspect that we had there. We were such good friends with all the camera operators sure, and the sure. crew. And so just ha- going somewhere where you show up to 20 people that can't wait. I mean, when I was 19 years old, it was assistants on the show that were scheduling my doctor's appointments if I got sick. Like I was kind of like... You turn into a bit of a baby on that aspect, and you don't notice it. So I know, <laughs> right? So, so that started to fade away. All of a sudden, business is having a tough time. I was in a bad relationship at the time, and so it all felt just like it caved in. So the first response was, I just felt like crap. I mean, I would go to the office every day. I was smoking cigarettes. I was chain smoking cigarettes. I would go home and just start chugging wine and just be walking around my house. I mean, I I really got hit hard in the sense of like losing that. Were you married at all? No. Yeah. Okay. Thankfully, no, no wife, no kids. But uh, meaning, like, I don't have anyone else to be responsible for. I can right. tank my own life. So right. <laughs> I, uh, so I'm just, I don't know. I, I started to truly lose that like purpose and all that stuff that I'm telling everyone about, and that's why I speak so passionately about it because I know how important it is. And it felt terrible. And so anyway, getting to the point, I went through that phase, and then I just made some really aggressive decisions. I mean, we had to let a lot of people go. And the thing that sucks so bad about that is they didn't do anything wrong. Right. You know what I mean? It's like you did everything right. In clothing, clothing is a lot like I always say, like a like a record label. Like when you're really having fun in clothing, you're in Miami, you're in New York, you're having the time of your life. And those become your really good friends. And so to sit and say, you know, there's just not a spot for you here anymore and we're trying yeah. to whatever. And they it's didn't tough. even do it. It's tough. So a lot of tough times. It was a tough, you know, six months or a year. Um, but we made aggressive shifts and it's we like, hired it's like give gangrene you got to cut the limb off or else it kills you so you, you had do. to cut 
cut people out. You didn't want to, but it saves the whole organism, right? And that was a big lesson in like business, right? Like you want to call yourself a businessman. You want to call yourself an entrepreneur. Handle that. That's the real stuff. It's easy to be an entrepreneur when everything's going well yeah. and you have your friends working for you, right? Mm -hmm. So when you have to look that in the face, that either strengthens you or puts you to bed. But um, so, and then I got really aggressive with uh, hiring. I hired e-commerce people. I hired Facebook growth people. I hired social media marketing people. And I said, look, plain and simple, this isn't growing. Retail might kind of stabilize, but it's not going to grow. E-commerce is the path. Social media, all this Stop. stuff. And here we go. So this is your next big lesson is the pivot. Yeah. You pivoted. Yeah. So you saw things not working. So you so step one, you contracted to bring down your overhead. Yeah. Try to get the bleed under control. Yeah. Right. And then you said, okay, how do I reposition? What what's the what's the tweak? What's the new move? Right? Yeah. Was that an active thing you thought about? You you, you like really you thought till you couldn't think anymore and then you said, This is it, social media. Yeah. And and the way that it felt to me was like, once again, you know what's right. Like, I'm no genius, but I can look and say, okay, retail isn't going to grow. E-commerce is. Mm -hmm. And you can avoid it, and you can say, I really don't want to fire those people. I really don't want to hire those people. I really don't want to get out of my right. comfort zone. One thing that I'll just be honest that I had, which is a terrible thing to even think, is I've done this for six years. I've had all of this success. This isn't fair. And when you get into this isn't fair, <laughs> oh, man, yeah. it goes nowhere but yeah, more tough. unfairness. And so... I did, I did feel bad for myself, whatever. But then it's like, once again, you know the move. Just do it. Just start. I don't know anything about e-commerce. I don't know anything about social media growth. Hire the one person who does. Figure it out. Research it. Then you'll hire another. Then you'll hire right, another. Tell me, how did it, tell me what you did. So let's see the steps. So e-commerce, how'd you get into it? So the first, I mean, so we had a website that was selling product. It was just substantially smaller than it is now. And it was not, it didn't really make a blip on our thing. So the first thing we did was just hired someone from, uh, once again, a similar clothing company that knew a little bit more about that. They were doing better than us. We did it. We learned it. We figured it out. We are started to, we hired, um, you know, a copywriter to make mm -hmm. sure that all the product description is right. Because now when people are searching for products, they have to make sure that your Google AdWords, you know what I'm saying? And that's all stuff I didn't know. Um, social media, we had always had it. We used it to say, go get this at the mall. Now it's, well, how do we drive that to our site? What makes a good Facebook ad? Let's hire an ad agency. Let's figure out what makes a good ad a bad ad. I had learned a lot from my time on TV. Can I do funny skits? Can I do silly videos? Will that sell product? Now I do all these videos like once every quarter of me walking through the warehouse and punching through walls and riding motorcycles and all this stuff because it works really well to sell product. And that's part of kind of my background of creating content. Right. So just trial and error and figuring it out and what makes people click a link and what makes people go to your site and how do you replenish product when it's moving fast and how do you get rid of it when it's moving slow and it's just, I'm still actively, once again, I never want to come off like I'm an e-commerce expert that has it figured out. I made a big hire a couple months ago that I'm really excited about that I think is going to bring a lot of growth to our e-commerce. Mm -hmm. um, but as you grow, you get access to new talent. More talented people will work with you because you've kind of proven and then you get more and more and more and it's all part of the, you know. How closely do you track the information that you're getting from online day. You want to you very active at like looking at results and then like really looking at statistics and using that to make decisions on, on yeah. for online ads and, and you know, people, you know, I'm a big I personally I test a lot of stuff, but like yeah. do you do that? Do you do you like test different yeah. copy, different headlines, different calls oh, yeah. to action, different every day. Every, I, I mean yeah. I literally I know 
every number down to the number. Yeah. And then every day, my new thing is every day I see who the highest uh, customer was that bought the most stuff. I call them and I say, hey, it's Drama from Young and Reckless. Just want to say thanks. You were our biggest customer today. What'd you like about it? Where do you find out about new stuff? Is it Instagram? Is it our website? So cool. Can't wait to you know talk to you more in the future. And even that helps so much. Let me ask you a question. So, so important lesson here. So if someone, if you would have, someone have said to you, mm -hmm. hey, uh, drama, in three years from now, you're going to have uh, a, a really successful e-commerce store. You'll be tracking all these different numbers and algorithms and, and, and act. What would you have said to that person? No chance. You Zero said, chance. You said, what the fuck? Are you, right? I would say I'm not even capable. It's not even in me. Am I going to have glasses and a button up and a pocket protector right. too? Like what else? So here's my point. This is the this is the point that I really I think you crystallize your life story. Crystallizes. You're this. good at this. No, but I, it does. You really does. That's why you're making it easy for me, right? Mm -hmm. Is that I always say it's like that when you're creating a vision for your future, mm -hmm. the biggest mistake people make is they don't give themselves the benefit of all the skills they would have down the road to yeah. achieve the vision. So yeah. they make it smaller and not as grand because they say, I, I don't know all the right people. I don't know the skills myself. I don't possess the right connections. Yeah. Rather than saying, you know what? Let me, let me just suspend my own disbelief for a second and say, I'm going to create this amazing thing yeah. and I'll figure everything will appear as it needs to appear and yeah. I'll learn it along the way. And I yeah. think that you exemplify that at the highest level. Like you didn't you have no formal business training. Yeah. You have no formal training in the inner game of success, yet you're sitting here and you're speaking more truth to me than the last five people, except for I'd say Ed Millette, who's yeah. amazing. Yeah, Most incredible. people who come here, they're so full of shit. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And yeah. I should say some of them really great too, though. You know, there are some great ones also, right? Yeah. But, not, but a lot of people, but you have no very few of this little with zero formal training. Yeah. And it comes down to this, the greatest truth of all, is that when you are moving towards something in life, if you're really willing to do the work and just put yourself out there, like you learn the stuff and you make the connections along the way, yeah, right? You and you have to design the vision, giving yourself that benefit. What do you think about that? I mean, you couldn't be more right. And, and two things that I have sort of noticed is Number one, I think it's important, if you can, when you start a business or you go into the, the adult world, have a reason why you're doing what you you're like doing. You mean like Pornhub adult world? <laughs> <laughs> so when you head on I don't, to I've Pornhub. Never, I've never been there myself, <laughs> but I heard about it. <laughs> when you're heading on Pornhub, yeah. know your subject matter. Right. Okay. Yeah. So similar lesson. <laughs> what I'm saying is, because if you don't know what you're searching, hey, you're going to end up you. in some weird shit. Yeah. So what I'm saying is, know why you're starting what you're starting. Meaning, my goal at the end of the day isn't to just sell clothes for as much as I can. My goal is genuinely, that's why I named the brand Young and Reckless. I genuinely want to connect with young people and show them all of this stuff that I've learned and make them feel when they put on my shirt like they can leave Ohio. They can leave their shitty circumstance. They can leave whatever. I want them to get a piece of that. And sure. that's all the people that we do marketing with and projects with and I do podcasts with. I did a podcast with you because you are that. So that's that kept me going through a lot of bad times because if it was just i just want to sell shirts i think i probably would have been depressed and probably started something different the other thing is i think if i were to tell a young person like if i i don't know if i showed up every morning and asked you if you know all the information i know about ecom 
and you didn't. And I just, me and my big friend just beat the shit out of you. How long do you think it would take you to memorize all those numbers? Yeah. Not that long, yeah. right? Because you know the consequence. The problem is when we view our future, we don't believe, like you said in the beginning, we don't even believe it's for us. So you're learning and you're acting and you're getting out of your comfort zone with blind faith right. that one day you'll know e-commerce. And right. I get it. It's hard because if you had the immediate consequence, you'd do it. But it works. But if you can do it. So what you're telling me is if I showed up every day and beat you up with a bunch of people, you could do it. So you can do it. So what's the, you know what I'm saying? You just got to have a little bit more faith of what you're capable of. Because one day you'll wake up, once again, you'll be talking on a podcast and someone will say, do you know e-commerce? You could ask me any question right now. I feel confident that I know it because I've studied it for so long. And I never would have thought that that would be, you know what I'm saying? Why don't you do this? I want you to, for this, just talk directly to the camera now and just tell them every person in that circumstance, small towns all over. Yeah. What would you say to them about their own lives right now? I would say that you are capable of so much more than what you think. And I understand, trust me, I understand how tough life can be and how backed in a corner you can feel and how worthless you can feel and how unfair the world can feel. But it is in there. The same way we've been talking about this whole podcast, you are capable of so much more than you know. You need to just take small steps build small wins, build that confidence. Every little win leads to a bigger one, leads to a bigger one. Get a plan together, focus, and just demand that life get better for you and make it better. Don't ever sit and think about what if or be a victim. I have nothing to add to that, which is a very rare. Ooh, that's listen, good. That's good. To, listen, you're, you are inspirational. You're a great guy. You're authentic. And you're like one of my favorite people I've ever had on my podcast. So uh, thank you. Thank you for coming. That it was great, guys. It was another great episode. This is special. Um, how do they find out? What, what's, what's the name of the website? Young and, what is uh, it? Young and Reckless. R-E-C-K-L-E-S-S. We'll put it up here. We'll post it. And the podcast that you've been on is uh, Short Story Long. Everyone should buy this guy's stuff. If nothing more than he's just awesome. He's an awesome dude. And the stuff looks great. Okay, thank you, so um, thank you for joining us. Yes. The man himself, the myth, trauma. We did it. <laughs> <laughs>